Sans Pants Radio, Australia's most American podcast network. Say a few words and you lose control. I'm a hex girl and I'm gonna put a spell on you. Hey, what's Pacman, everybody? Welcome to the Cynical Cartoons Podcast, where today I watch Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost with my guest, Casey Cosmos. Casey uses she, her pronouns. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at StopTweetingMia. Thank you for listening to Cynical Cartoons for another week. And as always, I'm your host, Mia Marchant. My pronouns are she, her. And I'm here if you need to talk. Missing me when I'm out of sight. I'm a hex girl. And I'm gonna put a spell on you. I'm gonna put a spell on you. I'm a hex girl. And I'm gonna... So, Casey... What was your Scooby-Doo? Because there's been fucking 30 incarnations of this show and everybody has a different one. My Scooby-Doo was definitely a pup named Scooby-Doo growing up. Um, Okay. Which is kind of an interesting because it was like the first one in a super long time where the entire gang was back together. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was also one of those crappy baby, baby fied versions of older TV shows. Baby Flintstones. The art style of it was actually like a little bit influential for me just because of like how like, okay, so the original Scooby-Doo's art style is is very just like flatline Hanna-Barbera. This person has a face with features and like <laughs> wears clothes. Mm-hmm. And then the um, pub named Scooby-Doo had uh, very distinct body types for most of its characters. Uh, it had like they each all had like a little bit more distinctive personalities with like likes and dislikes and you got to sort of explore more of their personalities. And and I think as a kid who was constantly trying to relate to any cartoon character, I could see it was always nice to be like, Oh, Velma likes books just like me. Right. And like (laughs) Fred hates the neighborhood bullies just like me. So it's, it it created like a very, like I never was into any of the other Scooby-Doo cartoons. And then I watched a pup named Scooby-Doo growing up and that, really solidified like oh i really like these characters and like i like the formula i watched incarnations of it past that because i was very young when a pup named scooby-doo was airing and the last one that i really really watched was mystery incorporated which is one that i still uh hold very dear to my heart because it's uh, it's the similar thing of like it it really evolves into their personalities instead of just being that formulaic thing Yeah, I think that I'll definitely get into Mystery Incorporated someday. I don't think that that'll be like an episode of the podcast where I do just watch like one episode of the show and then do this because it seems like it's sort of a slow burn. Like people are really, really into that one and sort of the lore of the whole town and Mystery Inc. I think the slow burn of it too comes from like having a childhood with Mm Scooby-Doo. Like I was invested in that show from the beginning because I grew up on Scooby-Doo cartoons. Um, And when you came to me and you're like, you want to be on the podcast? I was like, yes, there was like a few cartoons floating around my head. uh, Like Totally Spies. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, it was Kids Next Door. Totally Spies mm. is a good close second. But uh, but then you said, I think I want to do Scooby-Doo. I-, I was like, hell yes. Actually, yes. I'm locked and loaded for a Scooby-Doo app because those were really influential on me. I still really enjoy a good mystery tale. Uh, I have characters in my comics that are named after Scooby-Doo characters because I can't help but indulge in that right and and again like i was saying mr ink is a slow burn but it is like when you have that investment in it since childhood of of scooby-doo it does it does pick up pretty quick because you're just already you're just already like yeah i like these characters i like what they're doing with them i like to see different takes yeah and and when i was growing up i would watch a lot of boomerang and so i had this weird thing where i would watch cartoons that were like mixed in from the 60s the 70s the 80s and then i would like go over to cartoon network and watch other stuff And so I didn't really, like, differentiate between those things. Like, I would just see a a Scooby-Doo cartoon come on, and I wouldn't make that connection in my brain. Like, this is 50 years old. (laughs) Yeah, I think I definitely... Personally, I could always tell when a cartoon was a little bit older, but I could never, like, of course, place the actual time relativity for it. It's sort of a generic, like, anachronistic, like, this is old. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was like, this has grain on it, so it must be from when my mom was a kid. But uh, I asked my mom one time, I was like, did you have a pup named Scooby-Doo when you were growing up? And my mom was like, what the hell are you talking about? And I was like, this cartoon that I watched, did you ever have that? And she was like, no. And I was like, 
Hard times, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Really advanced. (laughs) My mom has told me several times that she wasn't allowed to watch Scooby-Doo as a kid. um, Wow. Because it was demonic. Oh, okay. Her mom was really, really religious and like even I guess had just never seen an episode of the show and didn't know that they were all like spooky dudes in masks. Yeah. Well, that's what's interesting to me about Scooby-Doo too is that like the moral of the story is kind of that like everything is explainable. (laughs) Right. And then as time went on, that became not what it was about. Yes, yes, exactly. It it quickly subverted the formula into being like, but actually, what if monsters did exist? And and with a pup named Scooby Doo, wasn't it guys in masks, or was it like it was actually... guys in masks? Okay, because they were like giant cheese monsters and shit. It doesn't seem possible. There, it was from what I remember of the show. It was mostly guys in masks. It was solving a lot of like neighborhood kid problems that were either caused by other neighborhood kids or caused right. by red herring. Like, ne- never red herring. Red herring's an angel. He never did anything wrong. <laughs> he was always innocent because I know that was usually the joke, but he must have done something one no, time. No, I do know this clearly because I have many a times revisited the Scooby-Doo Wikipedia article for red herring, uh, mm-hmm. hoping that there has been some developments in the character, like in a new iteration, perhaps they have like brought him back to do a crime. But right. he's, his record is clean. Oh boy, fucking red herring. So <laughs> yeah, Scooby Doo and the Witch's Ghost. This movie, yes. um, I don't even have a year for this. Early two thousand, sometime around mm-hmm. there, came out after, um, Zombie Island. Yeah, after Zombie Island, there was sort of this revitalization for Scooby Doo on home video. We had like mm-hmm. Witch's Ghost. We had Cyber Chase. We had, um, there was one more that nobody ever talks about, really. <laughs> the Mar- the Martian one. Um, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but there's oh, ones where yeah, yeah, the Martians yeah. come yeah, down. Yeah, you're right. That one and, was sort of on the tail end of that whole thing. And Yes, and Scooby and Shaggy sort of start dating a Martian pair of hippie and alien dog. Oh, I thought you were saying that they start dating each other. And I was like, well, that makes sense after watching Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. <laughs> A movie in which they, to evade detection by the mayor of the town, they just straight up make out with each other. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, they do. They <laughs> weird. Do and the so mayor weird. passes by and says, young love. I yeah. young love, he says. <laughs> like, how sweet. And it's like, you know, like, he probably knows that it's a man and his dog. And he's like, I like it. <laughs> he's like, well, he's trying to get more tourists into the town. What <laughs> yeah. better than a man and a dog in drag? Right. Keep, out. <laughs> keep whatever this town is called weird. Is yeah, <laughs> keep keep O'Caven weird. That's it. <laughs> um, uh, I remembered that because like I had a lot of trouble differentiating between the main villain's last name and the name of the town because they're like it's like Ravencraft and O'Caven. They're right. like syllables off from each other. It sounds like a like a buddy cop duo from the nineteen seventies. <laughs> Ravencraft, O'Caven, get in here. <laughs> <laughs> but like with a spooky twist. Uh-huh. <laughs> I so I watch movies in the stupidest way possible, which is that I put on a movie and then I immediately pull up I, I finish whatever food I have in my hands and then I immediately pull up IMDB and like and like trivia pages and like any Wikipedia like article yep, or like Scooby Pedia article I can find. Did this one have anything? Because I didn't really see anything of interest on the IMDb page. I dug and I sort of <laughs> I sort of like formed my own narrative based around what it is. So so to sort of like go into whatever backstory I found with it, um, Zombie Island, uh, which is the immediate predecessor to this one, was a huge success. Like in terms of we made a new Scooby-Doo movie and people liked it. Yeah, like, introduced a whole enough. new generation to the thing that hadn't been around in like 10 exactly. years. Exactly. It, it was critically and financially more well received than uh, than planned. Uh, however, Warner Brothers uh, saw this as an opportunity to put their claws sort of back into the property, whereas Zombie Island was a little bit hands off because it's like, oh, well, this is a Scooby-Doo movie that we haven't made anything in this property in years. It's a Spider-Verse 2 situation, probably. Yes, 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 exactly. It's the same thing where it's like, we have sort of hands off on this because we don't really have faith in it in the first place. And now for the next one, uh, for for this one, which is Ghost, uh, they're very deep into it. Originally, the twist was not supposed to be that ghosts and witches were actually real. Um, however, someone uh, came along and wanted it to be more like Zombie Island and rewrote the third uh, act of the movie to include uh, real ghosts and witches. 
That's so weird because I, I can't imagine this movie without that ending. That would feel so anticlimactic. Yeah, I think the original ending was supposed to be that the town was just faking the ghost, which is funny because like Fred, Daphne and Velma all point out within the first few minutes of the film that it's like, oh, there's a ghost, huh? Really interesting. Right. I bet you guys are up to it. <laughs> right. Uh, what, what I did find out that was really interesting uh, uh, for this movie and not only for Zombie Island, which is something that I've like kind of had a wild tear on a little bit in the past, but could never like dig too deep in it, is that it was uh, uh, mostly uh, animated and directed by a, a full uh, Japanese cast of animators. Um, oh, that's interesting. Is, yeah. Uh, uh, and like as I watched it, I was like, I think the reason that mostly sent me on my tear onto like finding trivia about the film uh, was like trying to figure out like what studio it was maybe outsourced to if it was at all. Right. Uh, and it looks like it was outsourced to a few different studios for different shots, but it was, um, it was uh, directed by uh, Hiroshi Aoyama. That was the director of animation. The timing director uh, was Kunio Shim- uh, Shimamuka who uh oh kunio shimomika shimomika okay sorry i know of them no i was kidding i don't know who that is i i I wrote very bad notes okay well you just tricked me because i really thought you knew more than me on that (laughs) oh right 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 really really (laughs) shitty notes you could just do that for anything mia like you have a podcast and like i make videos on youtube so like i i think you have like you you have a degree where it was like I am in middle school right now. Right. right so sure. um, <laughs> Iwayo Takamoto uh, was the original character designer for Scooby Doo. So it's uh, what what is kind of interesting to me about these two new films, Zombie Island and Witch's Ghost, is not only that they are these like direct sequels to the original Scooby Doo series that focus on like real world spirits and like and, and subverting the formulas of the original show, right. uh, but also that they sort of like go back to their roots and have like a full like traditionally animated Japanese staff. It's it's really interesting that 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 like so many Japanese people worked on this when like Scooby Doo is seen as like such a piece of Americana. <laughs> well, and and you can really feel it when you're watching this movie, like especially in the whole third yes. act with Ben Ravencroft's whole bringing back sarah like it's very anime looking yes and And it is a really beautifully animated movie you can really see the budget it is work it seems like they had a lot more to work with than with witch's ghost or with a zombie island absolutely and that that's another thing again that sent me on my tear to like try and figure out like who was working on this because like there are are shots like in this movie that i would consider like almost over animated like there are shots where like like the hex girl stuff or like with yes demise yes uh and, and then there's also scenes where like scooby and shaggy are talking to the guy who runs the restaurant in the town and they're sort of just like they're they're just moving every piece of them at every second and i'm like this is beautiful but like feels like such a waste of man hours <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to like make scooby like sort of like chuck his head around and lick his lips and go woo, woo, woo. it's like I right. can't believe that and, all and, of this would go into this. And also for such a viscerally weird thing, like there's a whole subplot in this movie where they eat basically this entire restaurant worth of food. They eat a 50 course meal and they're just like walking around town and their stomachs are like making like, like sloshing noises. Yeah. And like, they're just so overly animated to like animate them. Like it's so bizarre. It's so loving, almost like yes. like you can tell that the people working on it were like, "Fuck yeah, we get to draw Scooby Doo," and right. and that's what also like sort of got me into it was I was like, "Who are the people making this?" And it turns out like it's just a team of really talented overseas animators who made even the like smaller moments of this really shine. Uh, right. The part for me that really struck me was like actually the part at the beginning. There's a scene where. Uh, they have like sort of the initial mystery to sort of like reintroduce the audience back into the formula. And there's the knights in like suits of armor who like raise up axes. There's a a shot where like they raise an axe like off screen that has like so much like beautiful weight and detail to it. And that was at the point where I was just like, are these movies animated well? And then I watched the rest <laughs> of it, the the entire tight 60 minutes of it. And I was like, yeah, this was animated super well. The effects are really well done. The character designs are nice. The movement's really fluid. Yeah, and and it is really fun. Like this is I would say 
like peak Scooby Doo, and maybe that has a lot to yes, do with when I grew up. Because I'm I'm 25. I grew up like like I was saying. I watched a lot of it on Boomerang, but my main Scooby Doo was um, what's new Scooby Doo, like the early 2000s one that came out after the movies. Mm-hmm. And so like that early 2000s vibe to Scooby Doo, I feel like is where those characters really live. Even though I know that it's like they're entirely a product of the 60s. I, I can totally see that. Their personalities in this one uh, are very distinct, not only from from like previous Scooby Doo stuff, but also even from Zombie Island, right? Uh, and and they do kind of mirror their personalities in the What's New Scooby Doo TV show with the banger Simple Plan theme song. <laughs> but they they all sort of like hate being trivialized, and like there's many moments where like Fred and Velma sort of like comment on being called kids or like. They they talk about being adults and they try right. and have like adult interests and they Velma's trying to fuck like a forty eight year old man. <laughs> yeah, he's Velma's trying to get with Tim Curry. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, it's but, it, I mean your twenties, man. That's what it's like. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that they do do a really good job of supplanting the mystery and gang into the early two thousands because they don't really change the core aspects of these characters. They just put modern things around them. Yes. These characters would still make sense in the 1960s the way that they are in this movie, but they they also hang out with the Hex Girls who are like very late 90s early 2000s. <laughs> who are vibes. who are eco-goths yes. to quote them. <laughs> eco like Wiccan eco-goths. And the Hex Girls are fucking inc- like I I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid. I haven't seen Zombie Island since I was a kid either really. And they they just like stuck in my mind this entire time. That's the only thing that really for me is all that memorable about this movie. I I was a little different in that I growing up, these movies were sort of like a mandatory yearly event, like a non optional yearly event, because every Halloween Cartoon Network would show them on reruns like they would be like, we're showing one of these movies this night, one of these movies this night. Right. And I like it wasn't that I like was specifically aiming to watch them every night. It's just that they were on. Uh, and it's not that I hated them either. It was just that they were like, this is the entertainment that's in front of me right now. So <laughs> I, I like, I was actually surprised by how much I remembered of this movie, but I was also surprised about how short it was. Like I got a little yeah. less surprised uh, about how much I remembered once. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like an hour passed and it was over and like, I like still had food left in my bowl and I was like, okay, <laughs> Um, I guess I could, I guess I still have stuff to do. I, I remember the Hex Girls, and, and I also uh, mostly remember Ben as well. Uh, something about, like, Ben, like, taking the book and, and saying, like, I'm one sixteenth the witch, which I guess makes right. me a warlock. And, like, and, like, all the effects, like, crash around him as he says that. It, it, I don't know. It was really intense for me. As a kid and like rewatching it again, I was like, yeah, I can see how that would be effective. Like, cause it's like, it was a word that at the time I had never heard before. It was a concept I didn't know about. So this to you as a kid spooked you out or not really? Cause I don't remember ever being scared by the show Scooby-Doo. Definitely the movies had a couple of moments that kind of spooked me out. I don't think this one ever spooked me. I think it just was like awe inspiring. Um, It's very cool. There's some very cool moments in it. It is very cool. I I think what struck me about like, oh, this is why this was like kind of influential to me as a kid was because I was watching this and I was like, oh, this movie's bitching. <laughs> like <laughs> you've got Ben like like using the books and like all these like these like ghost effects spiraling around him and you've got the hex girls and their sort of light show like their light and smoke and sound and like all their songs they perform. Right. You've got the opening bit with the knights. Like there's just a lot of like really well animated and like well choreographed action in this that like is just a pleasure to watch well and and not to mention billy ray cyrus doing all of the theme music yeah yeah weird choice billy ray banging out the tunes (laughs) i i heard his voice on it and i was like i know that voice and (laughs) it just like sort of popped up in my like in the IMDb trivia hole I went on and I was like, okay, <laughs> uh, interesting choice. I wonder what the planets aligning were like for that. Cause it was like, 
We're making a second direct-to-video Scooby-Doo movie. Right. Who is hot right now, but, like, not so hot that we can, like, skimp on the animation budget? (laughs) Well, and also it's a thing where it's like, were they trying to make this movie more folksy? Because this is the most punk rock Scooby-Doo has ever been, too. So, like, I guess they were just trying to appeal to some different markets and they didn't want to bring in, like, Rose Falcon or something. I don't know. It could definitely be, like, all right, here's your palate cleanser at the beginning. And then we're going full spooky town right after. <laughs> right. We're going witches and ghosts and eco goths singing about putting spells on people. I think I also really liked the resolution at the end as a kid, uh, which was because Thorn is a uh, 116th Wiccan. She can cast a counter spell to bend spell and reseal the witch. Yeah, I, I kind of realized when, when Sarah Ravencroft started doing like eco terrorism, I was like, Oh, Thorne's going to hate that. She's an eco yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> I know somebody gonna, can yeah. stop this. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely, I think that's what made me think as a kid, like, oh, this is really good writing. They brought it up early and then they bring it back for the solution, which like it's not. It's really contrived and like it's brought up within the last few minutes. But as a kid, I could see like the pieces. I could see the seams as a kid, which made me feel really smart. So I think that's also why I liked this movie. Well, and they also throw so many things in there that you're like, is that a clue? What is that? Like, at some point, somebody is like, hey, I'll get a bone for your dog. And Shaggy's like, well, Scooby's allergic to bones. I'm like, is that going to come up? What the fuck is that? Like, Scooby-Doo is allergic to bones and doesn't know he's a dog for some reason. <laughs> yeah, there was that scene at the beginning where he's like, rock, what rock? Which I yeah, think is several like... times. He's like, what's a dog? I don't even know what a dog is. Oh, he does do it. Yeah, he does do it multiple times. I can't remember if that's also a bit in Zombie Island or not, but I feel like that was like a takeaway from, from that. And oh, sure. Poten- uh, potentially they were building this up like game-changing crossover where they were like oh it's the thing we foreshadowed in all of these films right scooby-doo, scooby-doo was, was actually, an alien the whole time yeah i was about to say a human in a dog body just cursed to live that way and has never seen a mirror i don't know <laughs> he's shaggy's twin brother he's a human in a dog body with amnesia short-term memory loss he's like he has such bad amnesia that they when they explain to him that he is supposed to be a dog and he is pretending to be a dog he immediately forgets it right um i like this movie i i feel really i i felt kind of bad after watching it i was like i kind of like that no 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 we we do show we do shit on this podcast that we like all the time like i was saying the the hex girls are absolutely make this movie a fantastic experience like i watch those music videos of them singing their songs about eco goth stuff every year all their songs are about the environment it's Mm -hmm. literally like love the earth it's only fair it's one world that we must share and i'm like yeah second fucking go go off (laughs) save the world thorn if anyone can it's her and it's weird that tim curry is suddenly like de facto mystery inc member number how many is there six like tim curry's in this whole movie and there's only the reveal that he's evil in the last like 10 minutes before that they're like best buds you can really feel the last minute addition in his like evilness like i think he was always supposed to be like on the on the like bad side right but like the the actual like like he even has to explain that his motivations were really skewed uh at the very end because there's that scene where he's like I, I needed you guys to lead me to the book because you're such good detectives. Right. And Daphne is like, why didn't you just outright ask us to find the book? And Velma says, because he knew that we wouldn't want to. Right. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, that doesn't, what? I guess you wouldn't if you knew it was evil, but he just wouldn't have told you it was evil. Right. It's It's very much like the writers being like, ah, oh, we know you're going to find a plot hole on this, so we're going to explain it. And then create another one. <laughs> well, and and also, whether he's evil or not, all of his motivations in hating this town are so incredibly valid. Because basically the entire yes. movie, yes, he, he basically, he's, a, he's like a Stephen King type. He's written a bunch of really famous horror books. And he's like the most famous person from this town. Goes back home and everybody's like, hey, bud, remember when we like murdered your aunt? Was it his aunt, Sarah Ravencroft? Yes. Right. So like, remember yes. when, when 
our ancestors murdered your ancestor. He's like, yeah, you guys fucking bring it up all the time. And (laughs) he's like, yeah, it it really rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, they just constantly bring it up. There's like a museum of Sarah Ravencroft's murder and they're always bragging about it. And the entire town like (laughs) makes this whole fucking to do about it. And it's like, yeah, you guys know that the Salem witch trials were where we drowned real women that weren't witches, right? Like, you know, witches weren't real. But apparently they were. Apparently the Salem witch trials were a good thing. (laughs) There's a line in this movie where uh, Ben, the the writer you're mentioning, uh, goes up to the mayor and says, uh, oh, have you found um, my my great aunt's book yet? Right. And he's like, no, we haven't found any book. And Ben says, you know, that book is the key to proving that my aunt wasn't a witch. Right. And and the mayor is like, yep tough luck sorry yeah. it's like what do you mean <laughs> well i think that she is a witch like i guess in the scooby-doo world that just happened and they really were witches like sometimes they really caught <laughs> yeah. one and they're like well yeah. i can't believe we actually got a witch jesus <laughs> yeah and and like it's an actual thing you have to prove and and ben says too like it, i do this to clear my family name and it's right. like are you still being affected by this <laughs> Well, yeah, because the entire fucking town is so obsessed. They have a yearly festival where they celebrate that time they killed a witch and like sell tickets to a haunted house and fucking and have like a Puritan village, which is what they straight up call it. And it's yeah, and Scooby's like a Puritan village. And it's like, all right, (laughs) all right. A little too whimsical for me. The fact they get to the end of this movie and nothing happens to like the town members really bums me out because they do some really awful stuff to Ben and then I guess because he's just like a horrible, horrible person, he gets sucked into the book for eternal damnation and everybody right. else just like has a fun concert and gets to eat a giant turkey. Yeah. And fucking Scooby-Doo gets to play the bongos. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> At the end of the movie, by the way, during the second Hex Girls concert, they invite Mystery Inc. on stage and Mystery Inc. are like jamming with them. And I'm like, none of those instruments are plugged in. And Mystery Inc. isn't doing <laughs> shit here. They're just kind of, this is for show. <laughs> These are all like plastic instruments they gave just to make them feel better. I totally agree about the town stuff because we have that whole opening where um, the gang meets Ben and they're very like starstruck by this awesome writer and he invites them back to uh, his hometown in Massachusetts, uh, which is conveniently not Salem, Massachusetts. Right. Um, and Yeah, they're, they're uh, in Maine. Yes. Uh, right? they're in Oak Haven. They're in Oak Haven, Massachusetts. Right, he specifically right. says Massachusetts. Sorry, I don't know where Maine is. I thought Maine was in Massachusetts for a moment. <laughs> I don't know anything about geography. Yeah, I, I've been talking to someone who says they live in Maryland, and I thought that was like in England. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that could have been anywhere. I would have no idea. Um, I was like, I was, I was telling her, I was like, they didn't take geography in schools, and she was like, yeah, they do, and I was like, maybe in Maryland they do. <laughs> When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Ben gets to the town and he sees that it's like full of tourists and he's very rightfully like, 
my ancestry is being made a mockery of f- for the sake of selling t-shirts. My right. dead aunt is on a t-shirt <laughs> because it's like entertaining to yuppies. Right. And and they're just like, here, Ben, have a free one. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, and it's like I would be super pissed. Yeah, I'd be I didn't even think people. about that. It's just like a super like realistic like just picture of her dead corpse. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a spookyified version of her, and it's just right. like, isn't this great, Ben? Isn't this great? The the one witch this town ever killed. It was someone related to you, and we still talk about it all the time. And we totally devalue your culture and oh. your history and your value oh. as a person. I know because there's a moment later on the episode where they're like, they're like talking about her, and they're like, oh yeah, actually, we kind of dug up her grave, and he's like, what? And they're like, no, what? <laughs> yeah, they're what? like, we, we just didn't move tell past you. it. It's not a big deal. We dug up her unmarked grave. There were no bones in there. Don't don't even worry about it. We <laughs> yeah, dug up her grave. We said that she was a witch. It's a whole, it's a thing. Everybody knows about this, Ben. <laughs> well, what they say is they say, they say like, we didn't tell you because we thought it would upset you. Right. <laughs> it's like, now you give a shit. Now you give a shit. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> so fucking. This movie. Like, we didn't want to, we didn't want to upset you about us removing your grandmother's remains or your great aunt's remains for the sake of our amusement and he's like well i'm upset now i'm gonna curse the whole fucking town and it's so funny the way that they all treat the ghost thing because like they basically there are tourists there because they think a ghost might show up and they go out to where to the puritan town to old pilgrimville and somebody's like we've been waiting here for an hour where the heck is this friggin' ghost like you guys waited for an hour for a ghost you didn't see anything i'm so sorry if like if every hour that I went without seeing a ghost, I complained. <laughs> there would be a lot of complaining. Oh, oh, I I admit I would love to see a ghost, but wouldn't exactly make my way out to a Puritan village in Massachusetts solely for that. Mm-hmm. Probably go for the turkey legs and butter, and I guess the Hex Girls show, <laughs> which is so funny because I thought the whole deal was that they were like a worldwide famous touring band that came to this town for a little bit. No, they're, but they live there. Yeah, they're local, and one of them, Thorne, her dad, runs like the pharmacy and is selling the t-shirts. Like, mm-hmm. they're going to go off to big city stardom, hopefully. I mean, one of them fucking saved the entire world by casting a Wiccan spell over a witch, so hopefully that somehow leads <laughs> I would hope to she success. Gets, like, yeah, she, she must deal at least get like, a mention in the newspaper. They yeah, have to something. chart at least a little bit. Well, and that's the really funny thing to me is that at the end of the movie, they're like, without the ghost or whatever, how are we going to ever bring people back to our town? And it's like, well, there was a literal world ending threat just now. What the fuck? Like what? That just happened. I guess you guys didn't get any pictures, but like it did happen. And also like people were going when you were making a fake ghost. Right. Should probably just do that again. (laughs) Like (laughs) just make up another. Who else do we kill? It's like. Yeah, well, I, the funny thing is that like they they stop the mayor and the other townspeople from faking the ghost, and they and they reveal them, and like they they like shamefully bring them forward right. to be like, oh, uh, you people were faking it. There is no ghost. This is what's actually happening. Right. It's not exactly a crime. <laughs> like it, it, it's kind of just a dick move to be like, oh, there's a ghost here. We're gonna fake it and make people buy stuff. But they're not really like on the list of like capitalist abuses of the idea of ghosts it's kind of on the low end <laughs> i guess like defamation against ravencroft's name like he could sue for everything they That's have true. if he really wanted to but no he That's wants to true. rule the world with his aunt yeah his uh his ultimate goal becomes world domination once he realizes that he has spooky warlock powers yeah so there's one point in this episode i think that we might have mentioned it earlier i don't know if this was off mic or during the show but the the mayor is trying to find shaggy and scooby or he's they're they're like pursuing him. They're trying to like scope out yes. and see what he's up to. Yes. And then he like yes. rounds a corner and he's like, Oh yeah, just teens making out in the park. And yeah. then it shows Shaggy and Scooby and they're like Scooby's dressed in drag and they're just making out on a bench. I'm like, Yes. This is not the first time this has happened. <laughs> they had these costumes on hand. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I was about to bring up is the fact that they did not have any hesitation between when the mayor was coming their way and when they needed to hide. It was immediately, let's put on our outfits and make out and that will fool him. Right. And it's like they're sitting on a bench. They could have hit behind Mm -hmm. the bench. They could have hit in the bushes. 
But no, I guess mm-hmm. I guess the like Shaggy just has to talk Scooby constantly into doing this. <laughs> or even just let him see you. Like, what's the problem? You can it's there's not a curfew. <laughs> You're just out at night. It's fine. Yeah, I I think they were spying on him and he was plotting to do more shitty ghost business and that's <laughs> right. why they hid. But also like, oh hi Scooby and Shaggy, you guys are in this town at night. That's pretty regular. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> yeah, we invited you here. We bought you 50 fucking meals at the diner or whatever. It's fine that you're here. Gee, I don't know, Scoob. I don't think we really have to make out this time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it was Scooby's idea or Shaggy's? Because I think it was I definitely it was the, the human talking the dog into it. I don't know. I think Scooby's nasty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, Scooby does love dressing up. I mean, in the movie, yeah. he dresses up like a grandma to get on the plane. There's so much cross-dressing in Scooby-Doo in general. I I once compiled a Twitter thread of all of the the like cross-dressing or trans moments. Hell yes. Hell yes. There's a there's a moment in Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed where Shaggy drinks a potion that turns him into like a buxom babe. And I'm like, this mm-hmm. is so stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> James Gunn getting our money again. <laughs> oh my god. I feel I feel like it's Scooby's idea solely for the fact that he really enjoys dressing as a woman and can't reconcile that and looks for any opportunity to do so right i think shaggy's happy to oblige because he's his friend and he wants to support him in any way he can but he is a little bit weirded out by it just in like a just like either just come out and say you like it or (laughs) or like stop making just like stop making excuses and we can just do this all the time or like right right or, or like don't do it it's fine i mean as far as our human trapped in a dog's body theory goes I think that just Scooby-Doo being an adult woman trapped in the body of a dog is um, mortifying and has a lot to say about our society. And you think that she's just trying to reclaim that humanity that she lost, not only her uh-huh. humanity, but her femininity. It's so weird to me that that Velma falls in love with Ben Ravencroft because I've always read her as super, 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 super queer. It uh, it specifically says on Scoobypedia that this is the one and only time in Scooby Media that Velma has shown like remote attraction to another character, male or female. Like like in the live action movies, she is all over that guy in the first one and then the second one yes. it's like seth green she's so in love with him she's like oh my god it's seth green and it's like well why is this happening <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's seth green i bet he can do an impression of me oh god <laughs> i've had canoned velma as a trans lesbian for a really long time and i know that's not something that's actually real but um i <laughs> don't need to deconfirm it in this way it feels cruel yeah, and intentional with like if there's any way to explain it away, it might be one of those lesbian moments where you see a man who you are like maybe interested in his body of work or like something right. else he does unrelated to his gender. She's so in love with his brain. Exactly. So she's sapiosexual for him. <laughs> oh God. And what I'm Velma saying would is, be. <laughs> yeah, if, if anyone would be out of the gang. Uh, Shaggy's an incel. Uh, oh boy! No, no, Shaggy's too cool. Uh, if anything, Velma's what she's going through is a is a is a lesbian doubt moment. She sees a man that she like fi- that she like recognizes is handsome and talented, and is like, right. I guess I would have a crush on him because right. of compulsory heterosexuality. And uh, then at the end, she joins forces <laughs> with Thorn in order to reconcile her lesbianism and say, No, I cast the out foul man, and they see yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that if anybody in the Mystery Inc. was an incel, by the way, it would be Fred. Um, it would be Fred. It would be Fred. He has... Like, like fake alpha energy. He's always bossing people around, yes. and he's such a shit. I hate Fred. I've always talked he... about it. I've <laughs> I've pitched to myself uh, a hard R-rated Scooby-Doo movie so many times, and uh-huh. in it... Fred is just like this complete like psychopath that's just gonna try and like murder everybody. It's gonna be so good. Don't worry about it. Oh my god. Okay, cool. I'll, Fred's I'll, the I'll erase worst. it for my brain before I go and see it. See, in my ideal Scooby Doo reboot, Fred is just sort of like he's the normie that sees all these weird people around him and wants to unite them in a way that makes them all friends. 
he's like the oh that's wholesome compared to what i thought of see like but that's the only way i can read him is that like i just want him to be like a wholesome guy because that's like right. the only thing no 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 makes for, him for palatable me, for me fred is just a uh culture toxic masculinity he bosses everybody around he's the reason Mm -hmm. that they're doing all this in the first place like Daphne and Velma are kind of interested in the mysteries but they really just want to give Shaggy and Scooby a break Mm -hmm. and Fred is like no gang we got to go out and solve mysteries because I'm I'm setting up the traps right now yeah and he's like he's like Scooby Shaggy I don't care that you're scared shitless and that you're my friends I want you to go out there and look at that fake monster right and then maybe I'll feed you you guys are the fastest. <laughs> it's like, well, fuck off, Fred. Go on a run. Do some cardio, <laughs> yeah, seriously, dick. Fred, fucking hire somebody who wants to work with us. Um, <laughs> so there is that moment where, um, and, and it goes back to sort of like uh, Velma and Fred being annoyed at being called kids. Uh, like Daphne straight up asks Fred, like, why do we always split up together? And he's like, oh, well, gee, Velma, I think you're really cool. And Why I, is he and Hank I... Hill? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. That's just what he sounds like to me. That's just how he gets across. Sure. But he's but he's just like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know, Daphne. I just wanted to tell you that I and then he gets cut off. And it's like, what? It, what is the goal with this? Like, what's the goal with like them being annoyed at being called kids and like like I guess it's just them trying to subvert the formula further and be like, oh, we're gonna acknowledge that Daphne and Fred have a relationship, but then they don't. Yeah, and it's so weird because he's so horny for the Hex girls, and it's like he is, and then and then Daphne's mad at him, and it's like you guys aren't dating, so what is this? What is happening? It's like, are you mad at him because you are interested in him, or are you mad at him because he's like ogling women so feverishly <laughs> oh just that she's mad that he's just such a pig yeah that he's just like a dick and he's just like a boy eco goths <laughs> oh man i love that the ending of this movie is literally just like what if stephen king was an evil wizard <laughs> like yeah yeah as like a metaphor for stephen king slash hp lovecraft ben falls so far by the wayside at the end like he stays there at the beginning because he's like a little bit crotchety he's into something strange he has a dark past that has influenced his works and then at the end he's just straight up an evil warlock man that like wants to take over the world i love to think about like the the all the articles the next day like where you like open up the paper and you're like Stephen King turned into a warlock and released a witch and tried to take over the world and then was defeated by a teenage rock star eco goth. He was defeated by Billie Eilish. (laughs) Yeah. It's like (laughs) Stephen King, Billie Eilish, face off in town square. It's like, well, (laughs) what? (laughs) And it's like, oh, the world was almost destroyed and the military was nowhere to be found. What happened? Yeah. The headline would definitely be Stephen King gets booked forever. (laughs) Oh, that was the most the shittiest thing about this was at the end when Ben gets dragged into the book into eternal damnation. Velma has some bullshit thing that she says, like some quippy bullshit, some like quirky, like pun about how like this boy is trapped inside of a book forever. And like we just spent an entire hour talking about how that sucks that yeah. to like eternally damn someone because you think that they're evil. That motherfucker's coming back. They're going to make Witch's Ghost mm-hmm. Returns after, right? Because like Return to Zombie Island is out now. Wait, that exists? Yeah. Yeah, they made Return to Zombie Island this year. It just came out the this f- month, I think. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess you got some shit to go go check out, huh? Yeah, seriously, I'm already staying up so late. I guess I'm fucking, like, I'm in it for the long haul. Yeah, it sure exists. Okay. What is with the animation? Is it bad? Why does... Fred has some really weird cheekbones going on in it. Oh, it's like, um... Mystery Ink style animation, it looks like. No, I'm looking at what you're looking at. His cheekbones are fucked. Okay. Maybe he's like mid-zombie transformation? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's going on with him. Well, it's so funny with Scooby-Doo, too, because right now the one that's ongoing is uh, Scooby-Doo and Guess Who, which -hmm. is like a weird like 60s throwback. And it's like they keep on revamping. Like They were like, oh, Mystery Ink will be really, really serious and very serialized. And like every episode will follow after the last one. You have to watch all of them to know what's going on. And after that, Be Cool Scooby-Doo is silly and fun and goofy. And there's no like ongoing character arc, really. And after that, they were like, 
people uh, kind of got mad at us for that. So let's do like a 60s throwback one. I, I'm interesting uh, for when we reach the point of the Scooby singularity, when we will uh, inevitably see uh, multiple Scooby-Doo serializations running at the same time, competing for airtime against each other. Oh, I thought I thought you were about to say like a Spider-Verse situation. Oh, now that would be good. Now that would be fantastic. We've had like tells of that where um, uh, What's New Scooby-Doo actually flashbacked to a pup named Scooby-Doo at one point. Like they used the pup named Scooby-Doo animation style for a flashback. That's great. And like, I I just want more of that as well. Like, not only do I want there to be multiple concurrent Scooby-Doo series running at the same time, a la Big Bang Theory and Young Sheldon. I also just want like every single one to cross over with each other in like the most cataclysmic uh, Infinity (laughs) War ass event ever to occur in the Scooby-verse. Enter the Scooby-verse. I just I just want it to be gay, honestly. That's the only thing that they could do with yeah. Scooby-Doo at this point that would really get me there. As sort of like a self-exercise, I did doodle what I imagined my uh, a Scooby-Doo reboot would be like. Oh, I thought you were about um, to say your Scooby-Sona. My Scooby-Sona would pretty much just look like how Scooby-Doo's mom looked in one of those, uh, one of the many like different iterations where it was pretty much just like scooby with like a bob wig mm-hmm. that would and like eyelashes that would be me mm-hmm. that's my scooby sona uh my my scooby-doo like it or like like reiteration i i wanted to explore them all like being like between the mystery ink teenaged and the pup named scooby-doo kid age just in like a I don't know. I think I think we we have enough resources as a human race to convey every single year in the Mystery Ink Gang's life. <laughs> so I, I think eventually, like like I'll, I'll like I'll do that series, and then like we'll get someone else to do like the really old series where like Scooby and Co are are like in their uh, aged years, and oh, then we'll like get someone old? to do like a middle aged one. Yeah, right. and then someone to do like kind of like a like a late 50s early 60s one where they're not quite like old like like old old yet but they're still like feeling it right and and then eventually we'll just have like an entire 50 plus years of scooby-doo to to go through in an entire sitting Mm. and just know the entire lives of all the characters yeah and it'll all fit within the same chronology somehow exactly yeah exactly and we'll just connect it all with uh enter the scooby-verse right well, that'll be great. And also great, Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. Yeah, I guess we talked about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did. Uh, I, the, the, the thing about it that, it's, that, that interests me the most, though, is Ben, which we covered very, very carefully because, like, he has the most intense moments. He has the most, like, sympathetic storyline. And the Mystery Ink Gang is kind of just there in the way they always have been. I mean, I would uh, say that the um, the eco-goths that are in, like, a punk rock girl band that are about to be world famous are pretty. If I was going to be anybody, the, those are Thorn. Arguably the most, the best parts of the film are the Hex Girls parts. But they're also the most, like, like, like you know Scooby-Doo characters and then immediately after that you know the hex girls and then after that i guess you know like the ghoul school girls like right in terms of like scooby-doo iconography and then scrappy-doo is like right after that i guess (laughs) no he's probably up above the ghoul school girls but still (laughs) um yes they are the most interesting and coolest part but like to me the most interesting part to examine is is ben and like his like strange character arc and also just the way the movie handles everything right (laughs) about it and like everything about like mystery solving and like plotting it's a tale for the times yeah this is a really fun one i feel like when i watch zombie island again i'll probably like that one more and cyber chase Mm -hmm. is very very close to my heart like that's my favorite of these that's interesting alien invaders by the way just came to my mind i do remember that one but Yes. I don't remember anything about it. I so. like that Cyber Chase is your favorite. I would love to hear more about that someday. Oh, I just loved to imagine that I could play that video game they were playing. I loved it. But also... That kind of was an Enter the Scooby-verse when you think about it, because they got to meet their old selves. Yeah, yeah, and that was really fantastic. Also, I did an episode about that um, way back, like before I came out uh, with my friend from Sans Pants Jackson. So, oh, shit. It's good. And also, by the way, to people who listen to this show, the episodes from before I started transitioning, 
pretty good. They make me uncomfortable, <laughs> but I still think they're funny. Oh, well, that's good. I think that's good. I don't have any media out there anymore. Right. No, I recorded like 400 hours of myself talking on microphones about cartoons. So that's not going anywhere. <laughs> that is insane. Scooby-Doo, it's good. <laughs> Casey, thank you so much for joining me this week. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me, Mia. Where can people find you online? I can be found uh, at Vanilla Vile on Twitter. Uh, I'm also Vanilla Vile on YouTube, uh, as well as uh, Patreon, Instagram, just about any general social media thing you can find me on. Uh, it will be under uh, Vanilla Vile, which is uh, vanilla like the flavor, and Vile, V-I-A-L, like the tube. Um, oh, not can... V-I-L-E. Yes, no, 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 not like, not like, uh, like vile, but like vile, a vile of vanilla. <laughs> vanilla um, vile is your hex girl's name. It's, it's yes, B-I-L-E. exactly. Yes, it's my eco goth name. You can also find uh, uh, my webcomic, Freddy Freaky, which is inspired a little bit by uh, uh, the mystery solving and early Scooby-Doo, uh, just because it has like monsters and ghosts and, and people to find. Right. Uh, but you can find that at freddyfreaky.com and that's uh, Freddy f-r-e-d-d-i-e freaky f-r-e-a-k-i-e dot com thank you for having me mia i have always wanted to be on a podcast and it is great that i am sharing my first experience with it with you i thought you were about to say i've always wanted to be on cynical cartoons and i was like that doesn't seem possible (laughs) 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 thank you to everyone out there for listening to cynical cartoons for another week and as always i'm your host mia marchant and i'm here if you need to talk Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big-